Chapter Number Nine of Hopalong Cassidy's Roundup. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Hopalong Cassidy's Roundup by Clarence Edward Mulford. Chapter Number Nine: The Advent of McAllister. The blazing sun shone pitilessly on an arid plain which was spotted with dust-gray clumps of mesquite and thorny chaparral. Basking in the burning sand and alkali lay several Gila monsters, which raised their heads and hissed with wide-open jaws as several faint, whip-like reports echoed flatly over the desolate plain, showing that even they had learned that danger was associated with such sounds. Off to the north there became a visible cloud of dust, and at intervals something swayed in it something that rose and fell and then became hidden again out of that cloud came sharp splitting sounds which were faintly responded to by another and larger cloud in its rear as it came nearer and finally swept past and the gilas to their terror saw a madly pounding horse and it carried a man the latter turned in his saddle and raised a gun to his shoulder and the thunder that issued from it caused the creeping audience to throw up their tails in sudden panic and bury themselves out of sight in the sand the horse was only a bronco its sides covered with hideous yellow spots and on its near flank was a peculiar scar the brand foam flecked from its crimsoned jaws and found a resting place on its sides and on the hairy chaps of its rider sweat rolled and streamed from its heaving flanks and was greedily sucked up by the drought-cursed alkali close to the rider's knee a bloody furrow ran forward and one of the bronco's ears was torn and limp the bronco was doing its best it could run at that pace until it dropped dead every ounce of strength it possessed was put forth to bring those hind hoofs well in front of the forward ones and to send them pushing the sand behind in streaming clouds the horse had done the same thing many times when would its master learn sense the man was typical in appearance with many of that broad land lithe sinewy and bronzed by hard riding and hot suns he sat in his cheyenne saddle like a centaur all of his weight on the heavy leather-guarded stirrups his body rising in one magnificent straight line a bleached moustache hid the thin lips and a grey sombrero threw a heavy shadow across his eyes around his neck and over his open blue flannel shirt lay loosely a knotted silk kerchief and on his thighs a pair of open flapped holsters swung uneasily with their ivory-handled burdens he turned abruptly raised his gun to his shoulder and fired then he laughed recklessly and patted his mount which responded to the confident caress by lying flatter to the earth in a spurt of heartbreaking speed i'll show em who they're trailing this is the second time i've started for muddy wells and i'm going to get there too for all the apaches out of hades to the south another cloud of dust rapidly approached and the rider scanned it closely for it was directly in his path as he watched it he saw something wave and it was a sombrero shortly afterward a real cowboy yell reached his ears he grinned and slid another cartridge into the greasy smoking barrel of the sharps and fired it again at the cloud in his rear some few minutes later a whooping bunched crowd of madly riding cowboys thundered past him and he was recognized hello frenchy yelled the nearest one coming back come on mcallister shouted another we'll give em blazes in response the straining bronco suddenly stiffened bunched and slid on its haunches wheeled and retraced its course the rear clouds suddenly scattered into many smaller ones and all swept off to the east 
the rescuing band overtook them and several hours later when seated around a table in tomley's saloon muddy wells account was taken of them which was pleasing in its facts we was hunting coyotes when we saw you said a smiling puncher who was known as salvation carroll chiefly because he wasn't yup they've been stalking tom's chickens supplied waffles the champion poker player of the outfit tom lee's chickens could whip anything of their kind for miles around and were reverenced accordingly show is that so asked frenchy with mod incredulity such a state of affairs being deplorable she sure is answered tax leblanc and then as an afterthought he added where'd you hit the war whoops about four hours back this year's the second time i've headed for this place last time they chased me to las cruces that so asked bigfoot baker a giant ain't they allus interferin now anyhow they're better in coyotes that was pretty well healed suggested tex glancing at a bunch of repeating winchesters of late model which lay stacked in a corner charlie here said he thought they was from the way your cayuse looked didn't you charlie charlie nodded and filled his pipe "'Pears like a feller can't amble around much nowadays without having to fight,' grumbled Lefty Allen, who usually went out of his way hunting up trouble. "'We're going to the hills as soon as our cookie turns up,' volunteered Tenspot Davis, looking inquiringly at Frenchy. "'Heard any more news?' "'Nope. Same old story. Lots of gold. Shucks, I've bid on so many of them rumors that they don't feed me no more. One man who didn't know nothing about prospecting goes and stumbles over a fortune,' and those who know it from A to Izzard goes round pulling in their belts. We don't pull in no belts. We knows just where to look, don't we, Tanspot? remarked Tax, looking very wise. Yes, we do, answered Tanspot. If you hasn't dreamed about it, we do. You wait. I wasn't dreaming none whatever, assured Tex. I saw it. Yes, I saw it too, Onked, replied Frenchy with sarcasm. Went and lugged fifty pound of it all the way to the essay office. Took me two days that therefore i'd cuss looks at it in snickers then he takes me by the arm and leads me to the window see that pile my friend that's all like yourn's says he it's worth about one simoleon a ton at the coast they use it for ballast ah but this what i saw was gold exploded tex so is mine for a while laughed frenchy nodding to the bartender for another round well we're tired of punching cows ride sixteen hours a day year in and year out and what do we get fifty a month and no chance to spend it and grub that and make a coyote sniffle i'm for a vacation and if i goes broke why i'll punch again asserted waffles the foreman thus revealing the real purpose of the trip what'd your boss say asked frenchy whoop what didn't he say honest i never thought he had it in him it was fine he cussed an hour front ways and then trailed back on a dead gallop with us a laughin fit to bust then he rustles for his gun and we rustles for town answered waffles laughing at his remembrance of it as frenchy was about to reply his sombrero was snatched from his head and disappeared if he got mad he was to be regarded as not sufficiently well acquainted for banter and he was at once in hot water if he took it good-naturedly he was one of the crowd in spirit but in either case he didn't get his hat without begging or fighting for it this was a recognized custom among the O-Bar-O outfit and was not intended as an insult. Frenchy grabbed at the empty air and arose. Punching Lefty playfully in the ribs, he passed his hands behind that person's back. Not finding the lost headgear, he laughed and tripping Lefty up, 
fell with him and, reaching up on the table for his glass, poured the contents down Lefty's back in a rose. You son of a gun, indignantly wailed that unfortunate. Gee, it feels funny, he added, grinning as he pulled the wet shirt away from his spine. Well, I've got to be amblin', said Frenchie, totally ignoring the loss of his hat. Going down to Buckskin, he offered, and then asked, When's your cook coming? Day after tomorrow, if he don't get loaded, replied Tex. Who is he? A one-eyed Mexican, quien sabe Antonio. I used to know him. He's a heck of a cook. Dished up the grub one season when I was punching for the tin cup up in Montana, replied Frenchy. Oh, he can cook now, all right, replied Waffles. That's about all he can cook. Used to wash his knives in the coffee pot and blow on the tins. I chased him a mile one night for leaving sand in the skillet. You can have him. I don't envy you none whatever. He don't send no skillet when little ten spots around, assured that person, slapping his holster. Does he, Lefty? If he does, you ought to be lynched, consoled Lefty. Well, so long, remarked Frenchy, riding off to a small store where he bought a cheap sombrero. Frenchy was a jack of all trades, having been cowpuncher, prospector, proprietor of a hotel in Albuquerque, foreman of a ranch, sheriff, and at one time had played angel to a venturesome but poor show troupe. Beside his versatility, he is well known as the man who took the stage through the Sioux country when no one else volunteered. He could shoot with the best, but his one pride was the brand of poker he handed out. Furthermore, he had never been known to take an unjust advantage over any man, and, on the contrary, had frequently voluntarily handicapped himself to make the event more interesting. But he must not be classed as being hampered with self-restraint. His reasons for making this trip were twofold. He wished to see Buck Peters, the foreman of the Bar 20 outfit, as he and Buck had once punched cows together twenty years before and were firm friends. The other was that he wished to get square with Hopalong Cassidy, who had decisively cleaned him out the year before at poker. Hopalong played either in great good luck or the contrary, while Frenchy played an even consistent game and usually left off richer than when he began, and this decisive defeat bothered him more than he would admit, even to himself. The round-up season was at hand, and the bar twenty was short of ropers. The rumors of fresh gold discoveries in the Black Hills having drawn all the more restless men north. The outfit also had a slight touch of the gold fever, and only their peculiar loyalty to the ranch and the assurance of the foreman that when the work was over, he would accompany them, kept them from joining the rush of those who desired sudden and much wealth as the necessary preliminary of painting some cow town in all the bang-up style such an event would call for. Therefore, they had been given orders to secure the required assistance, and they intended to do so, and were prepared to kidnap, if necessary, for the glamour of wealth and the hilarity of the vacation made the hours falter in their speed. As Frenchie leaned back in his chair in Cohen's saloon, Buckskin, early the next morning, planning to get revenge on Hopalong and then to recover his sombrero, he heard a medley of yells and whoops, and seeing the door flew open before the strenuous and concentrated entry of a mass of twisting and kicking arms and legs, which magically found their respective owners and were reverted to the established order of things. When the alkali dust had thinned, he saw seven cowpunchers sitting on the prostrate form of another, who was earnestly engaged in trying to push Johnny Nelson's head out in the street with one foot as he voiced his lucid opinion of things in general and the seven in particular. After Red Connors had been stabbed in the back several times by the victim's energetic elbow, 
he ran out of the room and presently returned with a pleased expression and a sombrero full of water his finger plugging an old bullet hole in the crown is he any better buck anxiously inquired the man with the reservoir about a dollar's worth replied the foreman just put a little right here he drawled as he pulled back the collar of the unfortunate's shirt ow 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 wailed the recipient heaving and straining the unengaged leg was suddenly wrested loose and as it shot up and out billy williams with his pessimism aroused to a blue ribbon pitch sat down forcibly in an adjacent part of the room from where he lectured between gasps on the follies of mankind and the attributes of army mules red tiptoed around the squirming bunch looking for an opening his pleased expression now having an added grin seems to be getting violent like he soliloquized as he aimed a stream at hopalong's ear which showed for a second as pete wilson strove for a half nelson and he managed to include johnny and pete in his effort several minutes later when the storm had subsided the woeful crowd enthusiastically urged hopalong to go to the bar where he bought of all the ornery outfits i ever saw began the man at the table grinning from ear to ear at the spectacle he had just witnessed why hello frenchy glad to see you you old son of a gun what's the news from the hills shouted hopalong rather locoed and there's a locoed gang that's heading that way going up he asked sure after round-up seeing any punchers trailing about loose yes drawled frenchy delving into the possibilities suddenly open to him and determining to utilize to the fullest extent the opportunity that had come to him unsought there's nine over to muddy wells that you might get if you wants them bad enough they've got a sombrero of mine he added deprecatingly nine twisted jerusalem buck nine whole cowpunchers a pining for work he shouted but then added thoughtfully mebby they's engaged it being one of the courtesies of the land not to take another man's help nope they've stampeded for the hills and left their boss all alone replied frenchy while knowing that such desertion would not in the minds of the bar twenty men add any merit to the case of the distant outfit the sons of guns said hopalong let's go and get em he suggested turning to buck who nodded a smiling assent oh what's the hurry asked frenchy seeing his projected game slipping away into the uncertain future and happy in the thought that he would be avenged on the bobar o outfit they'll be there till to-morrow noon they's waitin for their cookie who's goin with them a cook a cook oh joy a cook exulted johnny not for one instant doubting buck's ability to capture the whole outfit after seeing a whirl of excitement in the effort anybody we knows inquired skinny thompson sure ten spot davis waffles salvation carroll bigfoot baker charlie lane lefty allen kid morris curly tate and tax leblanc responded frenchy um might as well rope a blizzard grumbled billy might as well try to get the seventh cavalry we'll have a pious time coiling up that bunch them's the fellows that hit that bunch of inquiring crow braves that time up in the badlands and then said bye-bye to the ninth aw oh, shut up they's only two that's very much and buck and hopalong can sing em to sleep interposed johnny afraid that the expedition would fall through how about curly and tex pugnaciously asked billy huh just because they buffaloed you over to las vegas you needn't think they's dangerous salvation and ten spot are only ones who can shoot stoutly maintained johnny here you get mum ordered buck to the pair when this outfit goes after anything it generally gets it all in favor of kidnapping the outfit signified the same by kicking billy whereupon bill swore 
Do you want your hat? asked Buck, turning to Frenchy. I sure do, answered that individual. If you helps us at the roundup, we'll get it for you. Fifty a month in grub, offered the foreman. Okay, replied Frenchy, anxious to even matters. Buck looked at his watch. Seven o'clock. We ought to get there by five if we relays at the barred horseshoe. Come on. How are we going to get them? asked Billy. You leave that to me, son. Hop along and Frenchy will tend to that part of it, replied Buck, making for his horse and swinging into the saddle, an example which was followed by the others, including Frenchy. As they swung off, Buck noticed the condition of Frenchy's mount and halted. You take that cayuse back and get Cohen's, he ordered. That cayuse is good for Cheyenne. She eats work. And besides, I want my own, laughed Frenchy. You must have had a regular picnic from the looks of that crease, volunteered Hopalong, whose curiosity was mastering him. Shoo, I had a little argument with some feather dusters. The O-Bar-O crowd cleaned them up. That so? asked Buck. Yep, they sort of got into the habit of chasing me the lost creases and forgot to stop. How many did you get? asked Lanky Smith. Twelve. Two got away. I got two before the crowd showed up. That makes fourteen. Now the cavalry will be hunting you croaked Billy. Hunt nothing. They was in war paint. Think I was a target? Think I was going to call off their shots for them? They were laid at the barred horseshoe and went on their way at the same pace. Shortly after leaving the last-named ranch, Buck turned to Frenchy and asked, Any of that outfit think they can play poker? Sure. Waffles. Does the Reverend Mr. Waffles think so very hard? He sure does. Do the rest of them Mavericks think so too? They'd bet their shirts on him. At this juncture, all were startled by a sudden eruption from Billy. Ha, 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 he roared as the drift of Buck's intentions struck him. Ha, ha, ha. Here, you long-winded coyote, yelled Red, banging him over the head with his quirt. If you don't ha, ha away from my ear, I'll make it a wow, wow. What'd you mean? Think I'm an echo cliff, you slab-sided doodle-bug, you? Go away, you crimson topknot. Think my head's a hunk of quartz? For a plug pace, I would strew you all over the scenery, shouted Billy, feigning anger and rubbing his head. There ain't no scenery around here, interposed Lanky. This here beautiful prospect is a sublime conception of the devil. Easy, boy. Them highfalutin words will give you a cramp some day. You talk like a newly made sergeant, remarked Skinny. He learned them words from the sky pilot over at El Paso, volunteered Hopalong, winking at Red. He used to amble down the aisle before the lights was lit so he could get a front seat. That was all hunky for a while, but every time he'd go out to irrigate, that female organ wrestler would seem to call the music off for his special benefit. So in a month, he'd sneak in and freeze to a chair by the door, and after a while, he'd be shy like blazes every time he got within eye range of the church. Sure, but do you know what made him get religion all of a sudden? He used to hang around on the outside after the joint let out and trail along behind them music slinger, looking like he didn't know what to do with his hands. Then when he got woozy, one time she up and told him that he had got a nice long letter from her hubby. Then Mr. Lanky hit the trail for Santa Fe so hard that there wasn't hardly none of it left. I didn't see him for a whole month, supplied Red innocently. You're sure funny, ain't you? sarcastically grunted Lanky. Why, I can tell things on you that'd make you stand treat for a year. I wouldn't sneak off to Santa Fe and cheat you out of him. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Yeah, snorted the aggrieved little man. I had business over to Santa Fe. Sure, endorsed Hopalong. We've all had business over to Santa Fe. 
Why, about eight years ago I had business. Choke up, interposed Red. About eight years ago you was washing pans for Cookie and asking me for cartridges. Buck used to lure up you about four times a day eight years ago. To their roars of laughter, Hopalong dropped to the rear, where, red-faced and quiet, he bent his thoughts on how to get square. We'll have a pleasant time corralling that gang, began Billy for the third time. For heaven's sake, get off that trail, replied Lanky. We ain't going to hold them up. Diplomacy's the game. Billy looked dubious and said nothing. If he hadn't proven that he was as nervy as any man in the outfit, they might have taken more stock in his grumbling. What's the latest from Abilene Way? asked Buck of Frenchy. Nothing much except the barbed wire ruction, replied the recruit. What's that? asked Red, glancing apprehensively back at Hopalong. Why, the settlers put up barbed wire fence so the cattle wouldn't get on their farms. That would have been all right, for there wasn't much of it. But some Britishers who own a couple of big ranches out there got smart all of a sudden and strung wire all along their lines. Punchers crossing the country would run plumb into a fence and would have to ride a day and a half, maybe, before they found each other. Well, naturally, when a man has been used to riding where he blame pleases and as straight as he pleases, he ain't going to chase along a five-foot fence to Trisco when he wants to get to Waco. So the punchers got to tote and wire snips, and when they runs up again a fence, they cuts down half a mile or so. Sometimes they'd tie their ropes to a strand and pull off a couple of miles, then go back after the rest. The ranch bosses sent out men to watch the fences and told them to shoot any festive puncher that monkeyed with the hardware. Well, you know what happens when a puncher gets shot at. When fences grow in Texas, there'll be the devil to pay, said Buck. He hated to think that some day the freedom of the range would be annulled, for he knew that it would have been the first blow against the cowboy's occupation. When a man's cattle couldn't spread out all over the land, he would have to keep so many men. Farms would spring up and the sun of the free and easy cowboy would slowly set. I reckons the cutters are classed the same as rustlers, remarked Red with a gleam of temper. By the owners, but not by the punchers, and it's the punchers that count, replied Frenchie. When it gets so I can't go where I please, I'll start on the warpath. I won't buck the cavalry, but I'll keep it busy hunting for me, and I'll have time to tend to the wire fence men, too. Why, we'll be told we can't tote our guns. They're saying that now, replied Frenchie. Up in Buffalo, Smith, who's now Marshal, makes you leave him with the bartenders. I'd like to see any two-legged cuss get my guns if I didn't want him to, began Hopalong, indignant at the idea. Easy, son, cautioned Buck. You would do what the rest did because you are a square man. I'm about as hard-headed as a puncher's ever straddled leather, and I've had to use my guns pretty considerable. But I reckons if any decent marshal asked me to cache them in a decent way, why, I'd do it. And let me brand something on your mind. I've heard of Smith, of Buffalo, and he's mighty nifty with his hands. He don't stand off and tell you to unload your lead ranch, but he ambles up close and taps you on your shirt. If you makes a gunplay, he naturally knocks you clean across the room and unloads you before you gets your senses back. He weighs about 180 and he's sure got Santa burn. Yeah, I wonder what makes a gunplay she plays. I'd look nice in Abilene or Peso or Albuquerque without my guns, wouldn't I? Just because I totes them in plain sight, I've got to hand them over to some liquor rassler? I reckons not. Some hip pocket skunk would plug me before I could wink. I'd sure look nice loping round a Kino layout without my guns, in the same town with some cuss hunting me, wouldn't I? A whole lot of good a marshal would have done Jimmy, and didn't Harris get his from a cur in the dark? shouted Hopalong, angered by the prospect. We're talking about Buffalo, where everybody has to hang up their guns, replied Buck. 
and there's the law. To blazes with the law, whooped Hopalong in Red's ear as he unfastened the cinch of Red's saddle, and at the same time stabbing that unfortunate's mount with his spurs, thereby causing a hasty separation of the two. When Red had picked himself up and things had quieted down again, the subject was changed, and several hours later they rode into Muddy Wells, a town with a little more excuse for its existence than Buckskin. The wells were in an arid valley west of Guadalupe Pass, and were not only muddy, but more or less alkaline. End of chapter 9. The Advent of McAllister.